Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Bible Prophecy for today. My name is Heather. Today is October the 26th. It is Wednesday. And we have some headlines for you guys today as they relate to Bible prophecy. We're going to run through some headlines right now. You know him, you love him. He is my favorite, Leo Holman. And he says, globalists making final push for a depopulated one world order. How do we resist? Mm, how do we resist? Next on uh, Prophecy News Watch, we have trans activists are now promoting child drag queens nationwide. Makes me vomit in my mouth. And we also have Terry Jane's Prophecy Line, the United States and God's Judgment. And that is by Michael Heil. And uh, yes, folks, now we are under God's judgment. And another good thing here we have on the WND is 98 on terror watch list among illegals who were found on the U.S. border. WND services, right there, new services, has uh, published that article. And that was on October the 25th. Oh, I'm sure there's a whole lot more bad people down there uh, than what we know. Those are probably just a lucky catch. You know what I mean? What else do we have going on in the news today? More from WND. State residents flag hundreds of books in schools for, quote, pornographic content. I don't know if you guys watched that. I think it was on Twitter. I had a parent, one of the fathers, reading from the book, and it was so vile. Uh, They were like, what are you reading? And I'm like, that's what my kids bring home from school. Anyway. Yeah, folks, what else we have? WND has another great article by Art Moore, top China watcher. Why is U.S. not reacting as Beijing prepares for war? I'm thinking the same thing. You're thinking the same thing. We're all thinking the same thing. What is going on? Now we have Biden over here. You know, Russia, y'all need to, you know, settle down. I don't know. There's talks now in the Kremlin. They're wanting to replace Putin. Hmm, I'm not sure what's heading on over there. I'm going to speculate. Let's start with this article. So, globalists making a final push for a depopulated one world order. I always want to say that a George Bush one world order. Anyway, no new taxes. Anyway, uh, how do we resist? You know him, you love him. He is my favorite. Leo Homan. Leo Homan, H O H A M A N N dot com. Go check it out. Anyway, guys, are you still trying to make sense of all the insanity in the world or maybe trying to help a friend or a family member make sense of it? This is the globalist making a final thing here. Drag queens in schools, libra- libraries, even churches and other settings targeting children and families. The seemingly unhinged attacks on everything that is good and necessary for a healthy society and the celebration of everything that is evil. Food prices rising out of control with whispers of famine on the horizon. And you can check out some articles there. He's got some quoted there. And uh, the suicidal war on so-called fossil fuels like coal, oil, and natural gas when it's becoming obvious, look at Europe, that no nation can survive without them. In fact, he goes, the fact that the U.S.-led NATO and Russia-China are on a collision course toward World War III with both sides threatening nuclear strikes. For answers, consider reading and sharing his post back in May. It was the globals have entered the kill phase of the Great Reset, and I did read that. Uh, a couple weeks ago when he posted that, or a few months ago. Anyway, a relatively small entourage of self-appointed globalist elites are using engineered famine, engineered pandemics, vaccines, and World War III to accomplish their long-stated goal of depopulation. That's why we call them global predators. These globalists are in the final phase, the kill phase, of destroying the post-World War II liberal world order, which must be accomplished before they can implement a new world order based on a cashless digital economy tied to a digital ID that tracks every person and assigns them a social credit score. 
before you can build back better, you must eliminate every trace of the old world order. Burn it all down. Destroy his family. Destroy his economy. Destroy currencies. Make people suffer. And the most critical component of their destruction, deconstruction plan, is depopulation. Everything you see going on in geopolitics today is meant to drive depopulation. From LGBTQ mania they don't reproduce and food shortages to endless genetically engineered viruses in the fanatical religious fervor. For every expanding abortion rights and the introduction of deadly quote vaccines it all points toward one thing more death. And now we have found yet another smoking gun comment from a key globalist figure, Dennis Meadows. Meadows authored the 1972 book Limits to Growth, which was endorsed by the Club of Rome and is still sold on the website today. The Club of Rome was the originator of the goals contained in the United Nations Agenda 21 Sustainable Development. And chief among those goals was the need for fewer human beings on planet earth meadows argued in his book for a drastic depopulation program two years later 1974 henry kissinger authored the kissinger report which followed up on the same theme put forth by meadows advocating a systemic or a systematic reduction of the population of third world countries through the introduction of birth control including abortion fomenting civil wars and orchestrated famine. Now, those same strategic weapons are being turned inward on the United States and the West, with the addition of poisonous medical treatments disguised as, quote, vaccines. Bill Gates, Klaus Schwab, and all the global predators of today are committed to the same agenda. That's why Schwab told us last year that nobody is safe unless everyone is vaccinated. On its face, such a statement makes no sense. Why would no one be safe unless everyone is vaccinated? If it's true, if it's a true vaccine, each individual who receives it should be inoculated, right? Until you understand that these vaccines were never intended to save lives, but to destroy them. You can't make sense of what these psychopaths are saying. It's not about your health. It's about killing some and making others sterile. That's why they say you must get them. To refuse them makes you no better than a criminal. No other vaccine has ever ever been marketed with that kind of all-or-nothing bravado. Bill Gates, in his 2010 TED Talk, also revealed his overriding agenda when he said the key to achieving net zero carbon emissions was depopulation. And Gates said, and I quote, So you've got a thing on the left, CO2, and you want to get to zero. And that's going to be based on the number of people, the services each person is using on average, the energy on average for each service, and the CO2 being put out per unit of energy. So let's look at each one of these and see how we can get this down to zero. Probably one of these numbers is going to have to get pretty near zero. He says, first, we've got population. The world today is 6.8 billion people. That's headed up to about 9 billion. Now, if we do a really great job on new vaccines, health care, reproductive health services, we could lower that by perhaps 10 or 15 percent. Ding, 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 ding. Did you guys hear that? Let me repeat that. First, we've got population. The world today has 6.8 billion people. That's headed up to about 9 billion. Now, if we do a really great job on new vaccines, healthcare, reproductive services, we could lower that by perhaps 10 or 15%. 
folks, if he really wanted to do a good job with health care and, and reproductive health services and vaccines, you wouldn't lower the population. You would be raising the population because you'd be healing people, right? <laughs> That's not what they want to do right there. He just said it from his own mouth. So, anyway, the article continues. Leo says, So it's not like we needed another confession, another confirmation from yet another globalist insider. We already had Kissinger, Gates, Schwab, King Charles, and many others. But in case you did need another, here is Dennis Meadows spilling his guts and shedding crocodile tears while saying how badly he wants the vast majority of us dead. <laughs> we can have 1 billion people with freedom or 9 billion slaves. We're at over 7 billion right now, so we need to bring that down to 1 billion. I hope that culling can be peaceful and slow and equal between rich and poor. That was Dennis Meadows, authors of Limits to Growth from the Club of Rome. It was also posted on Twitter. You can check it out in Global Freedom Movement, April the 18th of 2022. It's truly amazing how these monsters speak in such warm and friendly tones as they're, as they're telling their fellow human beings they need to die. <laughs> Meadow says the world's population needs to be reduced by 7.5 billion down to 1 billion, but he hopes that we will all just agree to somehow be eliminated without becoming violent. He knows damn well there's no way to achieve that level of depopulation. We're talking 87% without spilling a lot of blood. On top of the blood, that's already being spilled on a daily basis through abortion and big pharma poisons. As horrific as the abortion and big pharma industries have become, they can't on their own get the, po the global population down to 1 billion. They must trigger the next great war. The prelimi preliminary phase of that war was kicked off when they released the deadly mRNA vaccines and pressured everyone to get them. It's very telling that China isn't giving its people the mRNA shots. No, they are keeping their population strong while watching the Western nations weaken themselves. When we are sufficiently weakened by repeated jabs, look for China to make us move. Russia will draw us into war first in Ukraine. And when enough of our military is deployed over there, that's when China will make us move against Taiwan and possibly more. They know the U.S., even before the shots were introduced and mandated on our military, was not prepared to fight on two fronts. The run-up to World War III will be gradual, collapsing our already weakened economy in the process, but civil war could break out sooner than World War, as it seems the U.S. deep state is already laying a narrative to accuse somebody, either the Russians or the Republicans, of somehow stealing the November 8th elections, or November 8th midterm elections, folks. So, while many are predicting nuclear holocaust in World War III, I'm of the belief that civil war and economic collapse could come first. And he says, regardless of the order, most Americans today, unlike the Great Depression, lack the resourcefulness and the skills to survive during an extended period of extreme economic hardship. Folks, I can tell you right now, half these kids out there, if they don't have their phone, they're going to die. They're going to absolutely die. You know how addicted these kids are to their phones? Oh, my gosh. I see people walking down the street, staring at their phones, staring at their phone. I drive down the road looking at people constantly on their phones, just driving like, da, 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 you know, I'm like, oh, my Lord. They won't survive. They won't survive without their phones or video games, their, their audio books. They're like, whatever they can't. You tell them to pick up an actual book and turn a page, they're like lost. Have Try to have a conversation with one of them. They, they don't know how to talk to people. They can't have a conversation. 
They don't know how to talk. They can text you. <laughs> but you can't con eye contact like a... No. Folks, they're not going to make it long. I tell, you, I tell you, if anything was to happen, they won't make it. They're not going to make it. Anyway, he goes on to say a friend who's an Iraq war veteran once told me that the one thing he learned in a war zone was that folks you thought were friends could turn on you overnight if it meant taking something you have in order to feed their starving children. In the meantime, he says, remember that we are the resistance to the Great Reset, a.k.a. the global slave state. No politician, police force, no military unit is going to override, I'm sorry, is going to ride to our rescue. We defeat them through prayer, networking together, and dedicated civil disobedience. That's true. And he goes, what do, you, what do I mean by civil disobedience? He goes, everything you hear the establishment authorities telling us to do through their mouthpieces in the mainstream media, do the opposite. He says, they say that to save grandma, you must get another shot. Refuse. They say to cover your face with a mask. Refuse. They say that to save the planet, it's time to trade in your gasoline-fueled car for an electric car. He says, refuse. They say it's better to buy things online, so buy in person whenever possible. They say it's more sustainable to eat bugs for protein. Refuse. They say it's time to give up control over your thermostat. Refuse. They say it's time to give up your right to defend yourself and your family with firearms, and only the authorities should have firearms. Refuse and take responsibility for your own security. I'll tell you that right now as a Texan, get your a gun. Get you some guns and some ammo. Learn how to use it. Anyway, uh, he goes on to say, they say burning wood is bad, so fill your woodshed and burn, baby, burn, he says. I just love Leo Homan. Here he goes. He goes, they say it's time to sell your land in the country and move into a smart city. Refuse. They say it's time to trade paper dollars for digital dollars. Refuse. They say it's time to get that digital health passport on your cell phone. He says refuse. Above all, refuse to remain silent. Speak truth to power in whatever circles you run. He says, you get the picture. We must not become the refuseniks of the first 21st century. Refuse their techno-totalitarian digital dark age where they have told us that we will own nothing, not even our own bodies, and somehow learn to like it. So prepare accordingly and pray for a breakthrough that will get the world off this collision course is currently on where both sides seems to want war. And remember, we are not each other's enemy. Your Democrat neighbor is not your enemy, he says. The enemy is the globalist predators driving a wedge between you and your neighbor. Because they are so few, they can only win if they divide us off from each other and get us to start killing each other. Don't take the bait. Help your neighbors. Love your neighbors. The fact is, these elites know they can never fully control 7.5 billion people. They need fewer of us. And what better way to eliminate the freedom fighters, those who've adopted a physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual warrior mentality, than to poison them with vaccines and send them to the front lines of the next big war. He says, fear not. Our God laughs at the futility of those who think themselves greater than he, the one and only, the Almighty. Folks, Leo Holman. Go show him some love. Leo Holman, H-O-H-M-A-N-N dot com. What's next? What do we have next to check out on the news today? Chinese President Xi Jinping's uh, securing of an unprecedented third term um, as the Communist Party's general secretary. His packing of the Politburo with the loyalists and dramatic removal of his predecessor, Hui Jintao, 
during the National People's Congress are ominous signs, warns China scholar Gordon Chang. The Chinese despot is pushing the region and the world toward war, and we are now far closer to conflict than many once thought, he wrote in a column for The Heel. So, folks, this article is by Art Moore. We're going to go ahead and continue here. Another China watcher, Jacob Hellberg, pointed out Wednesday on Twitter that the New York Times is reporting a Chinese spy chief has joined the Chinese Communist Party's top ranks for the first time. Is it me, or does this new political look a lot like a wartime team, wrote Hellberg, a senior advisor at the Stanford University Center on Geopolitics and Technology. Or maybe it's just Xi Jinping's bringing up, quote, security, unquote, 89 times. In his speech, commenting on the tweet, Chang affirmed Xi is assembling a team to go to war. Why are we not making defensive preparations, he asked of the United States. In his column for The Hill, Zhang said Xi's report opening the party's 20th National Congress on October the 16th revealed his dark vision of the future. Noting Xi warned of dangerous storms ahead, Chang pointed out that back in March, the Chinese central government declared in its report to the National People's Congress that it is committed to resolving the Taiwan question in the new era. The new era is language Xi began using last November and it is followed um, and it has and it followed his declaration in 2019 that the Taiwan quote problem should be allowed to quote to be passed down from one generation to the next, observed Chang. New era, therefore he said, appears to mean the <clears throat> period of Xi's rule. Excuse me. He has unfortunately made the destruction of the island's democracy a test of legitimacy, wrote Chang. Xi, in his speech on October 16th, declared the wheels of history are rolling on toward China's reunification and the rejuvenation of the Chinese nation. Complete reunification of our country must be realized, and it can, without doubt, be realized. Meanwhile, Chang noted many U.S. military planners, including General Mark Milley, have assumed an attack on Taiwan would not come any sooner than 2027. Folks, I'm thinking it's coming like in January of 2023. Anyway, but a top Navy admiral arguing that Beijing has carried out nearly everything it has promised warned China could invade Taiwan this year. So it's not just what President Xi Jinping says, but it's how the Chinese behave and what they do. And what we've seen over the past 20 years is that they have delivered on every promise they've made earlier than they said they were going to deliver on it, uh, said uh, Admiral Mike Gilday, the chief of U.S. Ad, uh, U.S. Navy operations. I can talk today. <laughs> A strong man like Mao, Chang said Jing's apparent time frame matters because he has, since taking power in late 2012, changed the Chinese regime so that he can do what he wants. We've all noticed that. He has done away with the party's institutional restraints and now is like Mao Zedong, but unlike his two immediate predecessors, a strongman. So what do you folks think? What do you think? I think it's getting pretty serious over there. Very serious. He's going to do what he wants to do, and we're going to sit back and, I guess, do nothing. The United States just sits on their hands. We do a lot of talking. Uh, we don't do a lot of action, though. This would never happen if we had a strong Republican or Independent in the White House here in the United States. But since we don't, um, this is what's going on. We have uh, globalists now in our uh, White House or controlling the White House. Everybody knows that Biden is not hell. He don't even know his own name. Anyway, we won't go there. But you can see how everything's going. Um, so it's trending towards, you know, they're going to hit Taiwan probably pretty soon. 
um, unfortunately. Here's one. State re, uh, state residents flag hundreds of books in schools for, quote, pornographic content. Guys, this is the WND, and it was posted by uh, the WND News Service. So let's read a little bit of that. It says, we have an obligation to protect the innocence of children. It goes on. Uh, and let's bring on the here. So this is by Reagan Reese, by Reagan Reese, Daily Caller News Foundation. Utah residents have submitted hundreds of complaints to the Utah Department of Education over age-inappropriate books in schools across the state, according to the Salt Lake Tribune. About 280 books complaint, about 280, 280 folks book complaints have been filed in nine of the state's 41 school districts since May, according to the Salt Lake Tribune. In May, the state's HB 374 became law prohibiting books with with pornographic and sensitive content, including sexual stimulation and partially denuded figures in school. I read a lot in the press that we're banning books or we're burning books, Republican State Senator John Johnson told the outlet, but I really feel strongly that we have an obligation to protect the innocence of children yes folks we do anyway he goes on to say of the books reported 84 have been removed entirely from schools while 63 can be read if children obtain parental permission the salt lake tribune reported parents made up 83 percent of the complaints and educators made up the other 17 percent of the complaints several books still remain under review by the utah board of education while 122 books that had complaints filed against them were left in the school districts the salt lake uh, Tribune reported folks you remember my last episode I talked about there is a teacher arrested or some some type of educator arrest, arrested every 24 hours for um, um, sexual violence against a child folks and I call it all violence because it is technically all violence you can call it what you want to but it's violence Anyway, in August, Utah's largest school district, Alpine School District, removed 52 books from its libraries for alleged inappropriate content with plans to inspect another 32. Books removed included Gender Queer, a graphic memoir exploring what it means to be non-binary and asexual. In All Boys Aren't Blue, a memoir of a black queer boy. Folks, kids do not need to hear this, read this, see this, know this. They are children but you see the evil wickedness of this world going after the children satan has come to kill steal and to destroy and that's what he's doing the utah board of education did not immediately respond to the daily caller news foundation request for a comment of course not of course not guys you see what's going on um, unbelievable but here it says protesters hold sign and a pride flag in front of the historic mormon temple after many submitted their resignations uh, from the church of jesus Christ of latter-day saints in response to a recent change in church policy towards married lgbt same-sex couples and their children on november the 4th 2015 in salt lake city utah you can check all that out at the wnd folks the mormon church is not a church it is a cult it's nothing to do with christianity get that straight just throwing that out there in case you might have been a little confused anyway because it does say the church of jesus it's not anyway 98 on the terror watch list among illegals who were found on the u.s border folks this is a serious threat to america and they're sneaking right in the door 
This article is by Jeannie Tayer, Daily Caller News Foundation. Border Patrol agents encountered 98 illegal migrants, a record high whose names were on the terror watch list at the southern border in the fiscal year of 2022, according to U.S. Customs and Border Protection data. So the terror watch list numbers coincided with record numbers of migrant encounters at the U.S.-Mexico border. U.S. Customs and Border Protection, CBP, encountered an all-time high of nearly 2.3 million migrants at the southern border during the October 2021 to September of 2022 time period. Folks, 2.3 million people coming across our borders, and those are just the ones that were caught. Mm-hmm. Border Patrol agents encountered three people on the terror watch list in fiscal year 2020 and 15 in fiscal year 2021 at the southern border, according to those statistics. So there has also been a nearly 600% surge in special interest migrants who come from countries where terrorist organizations are known to operate, according to internal data exclusively obtained by the Daler Daily Caller News Foundation. Anybody that doesn't think that serious threats to this country are sneaking in right now is naive, former Border Patrol Chief Rodney Scott told the DCNF at the time. Biden administration officials continue to tout a secure southern border. In September, Vice President Kamala Harris said that the border is secure. She is an ingrate. She is an absolute ingrate. You know, there is no question that we have to do what the president and I ask Congress to do. The first question, we pass a bill to create a pathway to citizenship. The border is secure, but we also have a broken immigration system, and particularly over the last four years before we came in, and it needs to be fixed. She said on NBC News, meet the press. She is an absolute idiot. She is beyond ridiculously stupid. I'm sorry. I shouldn't talk about people like that, but you can look at her and you know it. You hear one word, one sentence coming out of her mouth and you know she's an idiot. She's a moron. I like it how we're busting up people here in Texas and sending them to their uh, uh, cities that they're, we're refugees, they can come here. We're an asylum city. Yes, come, come, come. But when you send them, they're like, oh my gosh, we need an emergency, state of emergency. Oh my gosh. I laugh my butt off. Keep shipping them over there. Anyway. Yes, folks, you can check that out at the WND.com. So, yes, uh, the United States in God's judgment. Folks, we are under God's judgment. This uh, article is by Michael Heil, and you can take it out at TerryJamesProphecyLine.com. So, is the United States mission in Bible prophecy? Everybody wants to know that. Everybody wonders. Well, anyway, let's check out this article. So, perhaps the two most frequently asked questions when Bible prophecy is brought up involves the role of the United States in the end times. Specifically, people want to know if the United States is mentioned in Bible prophecy and when will God judge America? The United States is the dominant superpower in the world today. However, the United States appears to be mysteriously absent from the scene when the final end time prophecies in the Bible begin making their appearance. So since the United States is arguably the most prosperous and powerful nation that has ever existed on earth, why is there no mention of the United States in the book of Revelation, especially since the end time apocalypse appears to be on the horizon? One should not automatically assume that the United States will play a major role in the end time scenario simply because of its current superpower status. On the other hand, we should be careful not to. Oh, I'm sorry, we should be careful to not automatically exclude the United States from all the prophetic scriptures due to historic traditional interpretations of certain prophetic scripture passages. It goes on to say, the sobering conclusion one must come to due to lack of biblical evidence is that the United States will not have a major role in the end time events that take place during the final seven year uh, period of this age and is called Daniel's 70th week. If that is true, then the role of the United States will have to 
greatly diminish in the future. If we are living in the end times, as many experts in the Bible prophecy believe, where is the United States found in the scriptures? Although the United States is not directly mentioned by name in the Bible, uh, some people believe the or some believe the presence of the United States is inferred in the prophetic scriptures due to the major political, economic, military and technological roles exercised by the United States in the world today. There are many scriptures in the Bible that have been linked to the United States by Bible teachers. Folks, I'm going to come in here and say I don't agree with all of these. Me personally, I'm just reading an article. So I don't agree with all of these personally. Some I do, most of them I don't. Once again, this article is written by Michael Heil. Michael Heil, H-I-L-E. So we're going to continue. Some of the scriptures that have been used include Isaiah's chapters 13, 14, 18, verse 1, 2, chapter 21, chapter 24, chapter 47, verse 5, chapter 6, 8, and 10 through 13, and chapter 48. Jeremiah chapters 50, 12, 16, 23, 51, verse 13, 44, and 53. Ezekiel chapters 38, 13, 39, verse 6, Daniel 7, verse 4, and Revelation chapters 12, 14, 13, 11 through 17, and 17, 18, and 19. Although God is the only one who knows what the future holds for the United States and the rest of the nations of the world, there are some intriguing prophetic scriptures in both the Old and New Testaments that may provide clues concerning specific nations or kingdoms that will arise on the scene before Christ returns to set up his kingdom. These end-time nations and kingdoms may already be active in the world today, helping establish a global government that will eventually give rise to the, quote, Antichrist. The tendency to link the United States with some of the prophetic scriptures is perhaps due to the many converging signs of the times that have been developing in the world today, specifically the return of Israel back to their land during our generation. That's Matthew chapter 24, verses 32 and 34, Mark chapter 13, verses 28 through 30, and Luke chapter 21, verses 28 through 32. Whether present or absent from the world scene, the United States appears to be playing a major role in helping set the stage for several end-time prophecies in the Bible that are in the process of development. Will God judge America? The wife of a well-known uh, evangelist once said, If God doesn't punish America, he'll have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. This famous quote might be true if God was not a holy and just God and righteous in all his deliberations, actions, and judgments. God, however, will not need to apologize to anyone. The Lord is righteous in all his ways, gracious in all his works. Psalm 145 verse 17. When God allowed Assyria and Babylon to conquer the kingdoms of Israel, northern kingdom, uh, see, uh, see 722 B.C., <clears throat> excuse me, in Judah, southern kingdom, 586 B.C., due to their idolatrous worship of false gods and other sinful behaviors, God later brought judgment upon both Syria and Babylon. Syria was in 612 B.C. and Babylon was 539 B.C. For the evil behavior and for invading God's chosen nation, a divided kingdom at this time. Shall not judge, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? as Genesis 18.25. So God may deal in his judgment upon a city, a nation, or even the whole world because of his great mercy. However, or I'm sorry, God may delay his judgment upon a city, a nation, or even the whole world because of his great mercy. However, his judgment of sinful behavior will never be ignored or forgotten. As someone once remarked, the wheels of justice turn slowly, but they grind exceedingly fine.
Now, Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied, Behold, the Lord comes with 10,000 of his saints to execute judgment on all, to convict all who are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds, which they have committed in an ungodly way, and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. That's Jude chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. The God of all creation will not only judge the United States and Sodom and Gomorrah in righteousness, but he will also judge all the other cities and nations in the world, especially in regard to how they have treated the Jewish people in his chosen nation of Israel. That is Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 to 46, and Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 through 15. The conclusion when everything has been heard is fear God and keep his commandments because this applies to every person for God will bring every act to judgment everything which is hidden whether it is good or evil and that's Ecclesiastes chapter 12 verses 13 through 14 of the NASB version why will God judge America so uh we'll see so the United States has been in a moral freefall that accelerated in the decade of the 60s with restrictions on prayer that was in 1962 and bible reading in the public schools that was 1963 the united states supreme court has systematically helped destroy religious liberty in america with the following 12 court cases number 1925 was the scopes or the monkey trial tennessee versus scopes and of course 1940 the free exercise clause is created that was cantwell versus connecticut 1947 the establishment clause is created that was everson versus board of education 1962 prayer is removed from schools that was ingle versus vitale 1963 bible reading is removed from the schools abington school district uh versus shemp 1973 the murder of unborn babies is legalized roe versus wade 1980 the ten commandments are removed from school classrooms that was stone versus graham 1992 invocations benedictions are banned from school activities that was lee versus wiseman in 2003 sodomy is legalized by the supreme court lawrence versus texas 2005 display of the ten commandments is ruled unconstitutional mcreary county versus the aclu of kentucky 2013 defense of marriage act or dama is declared unconstitutional united states versus windsor 2015 same-sex marriage is approved by the supreme court and then here we go you know that court case so we are becoming a dystopian society when the novel 1984 was published in 1949 about a dystopian society opposite of utopia called Oceana, the author George Orwell made up a fictional political group called The Party. The Party developed a new language of words that they called Newspeak, which was used to influence and control the residents of Oceana. The clearest example of using Newspeak was in the party's slogan, War is Peace, Freedom is Slavery, Ignorance is Strength. The party <clears throat> was not content with just monitoring their citizens. <laughs> they desired total control of the citizens' thoughts, feelings, and actions, which the political, which the politicians used to manipulate and control the people. What is going on today in society is similar in ways to what the famous 1984 novel described, where the definition of words have been changing in order to disguise, mislead, and twist the meaning of words so that they actually represent the opposite or a distorted version of words that previously had clear and distinct meanings. Words such as love, hate, hater, marriage, family, gay, tolerant, boy, girl, sex, gender, husband, wife, man, and woman have been redefined by the media and society in a way that is abhorrent to God. What used to be wrong in God's model behavior in the Old and New Testaments is now called right. 
and what used to be considered evil according to the scriptures has been twisted and redefined to be considered wholesome good and healthy second peter chapter 3 verses 16 and 17 Yes, folks, Isaiah 5, 20 to 21 says, Whoa, where judgment is coming to those who call evil good and good evil, who substitute darkness for light and light for darkness, who substitute bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Whoa, where judgment is coming to those who are wise in their own eyes and clever and shrewd in their own sight. Whoa, judgment is coming to those who are heroes at drinking wine and men of strength and mixing intoxicating drinks, who justify the wicked and acquit the guilty for a bribe and take away the rights of those who are in the right. What can we say? We've taken God out of America, taken him out of society, taken him out of schools, we've taken him out of everything. And then we expect for him to you know, to swoop in and save the day. Folks, no. Our country is, a, I say it all the time, we are in a Romans 1 culture. And I don't see us I don't see us climbing out of this cesspool of filth, but, you know, God always takes care of his people. So we just keep praying and just be faithful to him, run our race, fight the good fight. Just don't let the, the negative, don't let the, this, this world that is, man, I mean, that's growing darker and darker. Do not let it bring you down. Don't let it bring you down. We just got to keep praying, right? Just keep Keep praying and running our race. You know, the article continues, the absence of God in American society. God, metaphorically, has been kicked out of the courts, the schools, professional, college and high school, sporting events, the public square, the marketplace, many churches, and most homes. Subsequently, the culture has declined. Family values have been disintegrating, and we are entering a time where every man did that which was right in his own eyes. That's the Judges chapters. Uh, 2 verses 7 through 11 and chapter uh, 21 verses 25. So when God is kicked out of our society and is not welcome within our homes, we should not expect God to show up when he has been disinvited or ignored by most Americans. Before trouble comes our way and our lives begin falling apart, we should heed the story of the wise man who built his house upon the rock. Matthew chapter 7 verse 24 and 27. Contrary to what some may think, he who dies with the most toys does not win. Ecclesiastes chapter 5 verse 10. And he says to them, take heed and beware of covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Then he spoke a parable to them saying, the ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no more room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Luke chapter 12 verses 15 to 21. The deception of prosperity. Prosperity has blinded many to their spiritual need and most Americans have been deceived by their wealth and comfortable lifestyles. The natural man not saved and immature believers can be deceived by their wealth position in a corporation, political power, education, or social standing, pride in self-confidence so that they think they don't need God or want him interfering in their lives. You can read all about that in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verses 14 and 3 or in Hebrews chapter 5 verses 12 to 14. On the other hand, 
poor and or ignorant people can be deceived just as easily when they disregard their spiritual condition. You can read about that in John chapter 3 verses uh, 14 and 21. And in Ephesians chapter 2, 1 through 12. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. Matthew chapter 7 verse 13 through 14. So the life that consists of getting more cars, houses, furniture, clothes, electronics, and other gadgets, your best life now, may temporarily satisfy the lust of the flesh, but will leave the soul in spirit and poverty at the day of judgment. The Bible tells us in 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 to 17, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away in the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. Then we have the deception of pride. Folks, you don't have to go into that. But God delays judgment of Nineveh. Remember about that? Jonah didn't want to go. You know, it's kind of funny. I was sitting here thinking about this last night. Now, I, I did an episode on Jonah, too. I did an episode because we were studying a Bible study. And uh, I thought, you know, and, and this, this crossed my mind today. Fauci, he's an evil, wicked, wretched slime ball, right? That's all I can say on this program because <laughs> it's a family. And I'm a Christian. I shouldn't be even thinking of any words to say. You know what I mean? So, but I was laying in bed. Last night, I woke up like every hour last night. I thought, you know, and I was praying. And I said, I should pray for Dr. And I was like, no, I don't want to pray for him. I want him to go to hell. Look what he's done. He's an evil, wretched man. How many people he's murdered. And those poor puppies, those beagles. I'm like, oh. But now I felt like Jonah. But I thought about that, what God had said. And I was like, oh, man. So I prayed for Dr. Fauci that he would repent of his evil, wicked ways, and he would ask Christ to forgive him. And, uh, you know, we should really pray for our enemies. We really should. And I know it's hard. It is so hard. I know. Oh, my goodness. But Jesus does tell us to do that. And so I guess, you know, we need to work on that. I definitely need to work on that. I am terrible, terrible at stuff like that. Because I sat there and I I laid there thinking of that. I was like, I was convicted by the Holy Spirit. And I was like, whoa, whoa. And I just read about all that. But anyway, he goes on to say, how will God judge America? God can remove his hand of protection overnight and take away the blessings he has given to a city or nation and its people. An example of God's wrath being poured out on several wicked and sinful cities is the judgment God declared on Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities of the plains. Lot and his two daughters were the only ones that escaped the fire and brimstone that rained down on the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. Before the blessed hope and the great escape takes place, conditions in the world will be as the days of Noah and the days of Lot. And you know, I don't really think it because you know we hear about that all the time. As it was the days of Noah, so shall it be when the sunning is going. Okay, right. We know that part, but do we know it'll be like the days of Lot? That's a good one. That's a good one we could study on. It's Titus 2, verse 13, in chapter, uh, Luke chapter 17, verses 26 and 30, and Luke chapter 21, verses 34 to 36, if you guys want to read all about that. But yeah, I never thought about that, because, you know, I always think about the days of Noah, but I didn't, you know, it doesn't really dawn me at the days of Lot. But anyway, contrary to what some may think, the days of Noah and a lot have already arrived in America and around the world with violence, sexual perversion, and gender dysphoria dominating the social and media 
culture. The Lord's return will catch many unsuspecting people off guard. It will be a time that you think not. Matthew 24, verses 36 and 51 in Revelation chapter 3, verses 2 to 3. So it will be also a time when people will be eating and drinking, marrying, buying, selling, planting, and building. That same day, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. The immorality and decline of culture in the world will be the same way. Business as usual when the Son of Man is revealed. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verses 1 through 7. Although it may be at odds with what many people in the United States assume, the freedoms and blessings this nation enjoys are direct gifts from God. Rather than just be, I'm sorry, rather than just the creative ingenuity of its citizens, those who have followed the Judeo-Christian work ethic and those who have benefited from the freedoms afforded by the Declaration of Independence, U.S. Constitution, and the rule of law have helped build the most prosperous and powerful nation in the history of the world. What happens to the United States economically, militarily, technologically, religiously, and morally affects the whole world more than any other nation. If and when the United States is destroyed from within or from outside forces, which may, which many believe is an organized effort by the global elite, the world will feel its effect. A worldwide paradigm shift will take place. Events will begin to unfold in the Middle East, Europe, and Asia, and the apocalyptic events prophesied in the book of Revelation will take center stage around the world. While the, will the United States collapse from economic problems, an immigration invasion, rampant moral decay, a series of national disasters, pandemics, an EMP attack, nuclear war, or some other unforeseen catastrophe? Some think God's judgment upon the United States has already begun, as evidenced by the many natural disasters such as hurricanes, tornadoes, flooding, droughts, forest fires, mudslides, and environmental disasters that have been occurring throughout the country and offshore. More recently, food shortages, high food and gasoline prices, illegal immigration, increasing lawlessness, and the Ukraine-Russian debacle threatens the very existence of this nation. It has been said by many Bible prophecy experts that the nation of Israel represents God's prophetic time clock. I say that all the time, by the way. Uh, with Israel as the hour hand, Jerusalem the minute hand, and the temple mount in Jerusalem representing the second hand. I say that a lot. Anyway, uh, Jeru and that's those uh, scriptures to back that up is Jeremiah 31, 35 through 37, Psalm 137, verses 5 and 6. Luke chapter 21, verses 28 to 36, and Revelation chapter 11, verses 1 through 3. If Israel represents God's thermostat, the timing of God's prophetic plan for the end times, perhaps the United States, due to God's blessings and its superpower status, represents God's thermometer, at least for a temporary period of time. The United States, through the Holy Spirit's per preservation, may be acting as God's prophetic linchpin that holds things together from a geopolitical perspective as we see the day approaching. But before the day of the Lord begins and God's wrath descends upon the world, that is, uh, Hebrews chapter 10 verses 24 and 25, 2 Thessalonians 2, 6 through 8, and 1 Thessalonians 5 chapters 1 through, um, chapter 5 verse 1 through 3, 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 3 through 12. So when will God judge America? The breakdown of society both in the United States and around the world accelerated with release of the COVID-19 virus during the early months of 2020. The global elites, which many believe have a well-organized plan of subversive action, took advantage of the pandemic and accelerated their march towards a global totalitarian government. Ironically, many of the global elites who have nefarious designs for the United States reside within this country. 
the WEF, along with other globalist groups, corporations, most governments, and help from the leftist global media took advantage of the COVID crisis. Their coordinated effort was used to promote fear and intimidation by using lockdowns, masks, and vaccination passports, social, social distancing, and other restrictions in order to condition the world for a series of future ongoing crises and pandemics. The end goals for the globalist elites will be restrictions on freedom, compliance with global rules, electronic surveillance of financial and financial transactions, and social credit scores. Since the whole world is their target, the globalists will use the government as their primary tool for enforcement, global cooling, global warming, climate change, etc., along with man-made pandemics in order to create fear, intimidation, and civil unrest. Deception, intrigue, and disinformation or lying will be commonplace in order to promote their worldwide agenda, which will be contrary and directly opposed to God's sovereign plan. This diabolical plan will ultimately lead to worldwide chaos in which a future world leader will emerge on the stage, the man of sin, who will attempt to solve many of the global problems. This world leader, often referred to as the Antichrist, will take control of many of the political, economic, religious, and military institutions of the world through peace, deception, flatteries, intrigue, and military conquest. You can read all about that in Daniel chapter 11 and Second Thessalonians chapter 2. A growing number of followers of the prophetic scriptures in the Bible believe global government is approaching quickly and the season of the coming Antichrist is very near. Yes, I believe it too. In November 2016, the WEF, with the blessing of the United Nations, made eight predictions they hope to accomplish by year 2030, if not sooner. Two of the eight WEF goals are listed below. Let's check those out, shall we? In depth. <laughs> so first, says... All products will have become services. I don't own anything. I don't own a car. I don't own a house. I don't own any appliances or any clothes, writes Danish MP Ida Akin. Shopping is a distant memory in the city of 2030, whose inhabitants have cracked clean energy and borrow what they need on demand. It sounds utopian until she mentions that her every move is tracked out and outside the city lives swaths of discontents the ultimate depiction of a society split in two this what? this is straight from the this is straight from the world economic forum folks this is their goals let's read that again maybe a little smoother this time all products will have become services i'm gonna get, remind you just a little really quick if you guys drive a bmw now you have bought the car right but if you want heated seats, you got to pay a monthly fee for that software to kick in and warm those seats up for your little buns, right? You'll own nothing and be happy. Anyway, all products will become services. It says, quote, I don't own anything. I don't own a car. I don't own a house. I don't own any appliances or any clothes, unquote, writes Danish MP Ida Aachen. Shopping is a distant memory in the city of 2030. She says, or this article says, whose inhabitants have cracked clean energy and borrowed what they need on demand. It sounds utopian until she mentions that her every move is tracked and outside the city lives swaths of discontents, the ultimate depiction of a society split in two. Number two says um, three. So U.S. dominance is over. We have a handful of global powers. This is the world economic. They want to accomplish this by 2030, folks. Thank you. So nation states will have a staged 
will nation states will have staged a comeback. Ross Robert Mugga, research director at the Ergape Institute. I'm sure I completely murdered that, but you know. Anyway, I'm just a girl from Texas. Instead of a single force, a handful of countries, the U.S., Russia, China, Germany, India, and Japan, chief among them, show semi-imperial tendencies. However, at the same time, the role of the state is threatened by trends, including the rise of cities and the spread of online identities. So, goes on to say, what does the Lord expect of America? Folks, this is insane. These are what they think. This is what they think. That's two. That's these are what these people want to accomplish by 2030. You heard it as from their own website. Anyway, so what does the Lord expect of America? The Lord appeared to Solomon by night when the temple in the Israel was de- being de- dedicated and told him there were consequences for not following the Lord. Second Chronicles chapter seven verses eleven through twenty-two. It can be argued that these same principles that apply to Israel also apply to the United States and other countries as well. The Lord is no respecter of persons, the cities they live in, or any nations in, in kingdoms on the earth. And that's Romans chapter five, or sorry, Romans chapter two, verse five, eleven. So anyway, so we're supposed to be the salt and light. So due to failure of the leadership from many of our elected and appointed government officials, the United States is in a precarious position that will be difficult, if not impossible, to overcome. I don't see us climbing out of the sludge sludge pit, if you ask me. I don't think it's going to happen. Would I, would I love to see that? I would love to see that happen. But, you know, I look at the young kids today, and they they don't understand what it means to be an American how many people died for our freedoms? They don't understand. And as far as I'm concerned, I don't think they care about freedoms. I don't think they care about being free. I think as long as they have the phone in their hand and their internet and their lattes, they're happy. And their little electric cars, I don't think they really care. I mean, is that sad? That is absolutely it just. It's sad. They don't understand the freedom to vote, the freedom for speech. They don't understand freedom of religious value. They don't understand any of that. Drive what you want to drive. Say what you want to say. Do what you want to do. With when the law, you know. I don't think they, they don't care. They don't care. They get butt hurt over anything. You can't say, nothing. I was a manager for 20 some odd years. And I'll tell you what, I had to quit. I'd get out of it because I couldn't do it anymore. You can't ride kids up. They start crying. Then their parents call you. And I'm like, it's ridiculous. Like, little Johnny, put your phone away. You know, we're here to do your job. You know, yeah, it's crazy. Just, no. Uh, and they're like three-year-olds in the workplace. I, that's the way they're being raised. That's They're being coddled. That's what their schools give them. Giving everybody trophies for everything. It's just ridiculous. But this is the end times, folks. I don't got to tell y'all. But... We need to pray. We need to pray for God's protection over this nation, over all the Christians, brothers and sisters. We need to pray. We need to pray. We need to be diligent in service, he says to our Lord. He's absolutely right. And it says, don't be blindsided and shocked at the judgment seat of Christ, he goes on to say. Folks, this is a wonderful, wonderful article he, uh, this Michael Heil wrote. Um, man, I tell you, it's great. It's got, I mean, in everything he's got stated in here, he's definitely got references to back it up. So, um, if you want to go check it out at terryjamesprophecyline.com, terryjamesprophecyline.com. So I'm going to run through here really quick. Trans activists are now promoting child drag queens nationwide. Makes me vomit in my mouth. So 
This is at prophecynewswatch.com. Since Drag Queen Story Hour became a flashpoint in the culture world, LGBT activists have insisted that these performances are A, not sexually explicit, and B, not inappropriate for children. Time and time again, the work of conservative journalists and activists have proven that both these claims are lies, outright freaking lies, I can say that. For example, the North Carolina Museum of Art was forced to cancel its drag show oriented towards promoting gender fluidity in a maelstrom of passion to children as young as two. Yeah, did, you, did y'all hear that, folks? As young as two. Two years old. In September, a show titled Drag Kids in Boise, Idaho, which was scheduled to feature child drag queens as young as 11 years old, was also canceled after a pressure campaign with state legislatures looking into making these sorts of shows illegal in public venues. Please do. Please. And this, by the way, is what a family-friendly drag show looks like. A transvestite. Folks, if you have children in your car, please cover their ears or turn this down. Or wherever you're listening to this at, wherever. I'll give you a couple minutes. Two, three, four, five. Okay. A transvestite, quote, simulating a striptease in front of children, singing lyrics like, my blank good, blank sweet, blank me all night. Unquote. I can't even, I'm not even going to allude to what those words could say because it's disgusting. Anyway, if that vile collection of evidence isn't enough for you, check out the regular videos posted by Libs of TikToks or Christopher Rufo, who has been posting clips of parents reading from explicit homosexual sex manuals for children being used in American public schools. Much of it is completely unquotable. And again, it's targeted at children, folks. It'll make you sick. Make you sick. They are grooming your children. Anyway, it isn't enough for sexual revolutionaries to promote transvestite stripteases for children and drag queens reading LGBT stories and how to manuals on anal sex for kids as much of their school as part of their school uh, curriculum. They also must recruit, groom, and train children to become drag queens themselves, folks. Some of these performances have been canceled under pressure, but a bar called Old Nick's Pub in Eugene, Oregon, for example, are hosting a child drag performer along with adult drag queens this coming Sunday. Child abuse, folks. Child abuse. The child who is obviously underage to be in a bar, much less as a drag queen, was billed on the bar's it was built on the bar's Facebook page as here to show you what an eleven year old drag queen can do. The child they go on, has all the charm and sweetness of a bowl of sugary cereal and will brighten up your morning with all her drag talent. That's from Newsmax, too. According to the Daily Caller, the child appears to participate regularly in drag shows and has numerous pictures with drag performers at various events on her Facebook page. In one video, she performs for a crowd in a midriff-bearing outfit and at one point is handed dollar bills from an audience member. A Venmo page operating under the child's stage name has accepted several payments from users who appear to be adults for her drag show performances. Unquote. The evidence that progressives are engaged in the sexualization of children on an industrial scale, from child drag shows to a sex-infused public school curriculum, is simply overwhelming and undeniable. Throw in the hijacking of children's entertainment, and the goal here should be obvious. LGBT activists will call this... uh, Assertion, hysterical, or bigoted, or worse. 
Liberals will twitch uncomfortably, nervous about the implications of this evidence for their preferred worldview and that fact that they had a hand in the queering of the public square and cheered it through either enthusiasm or cowardice. But remember, the original sexual revolutionaries from Michael Folkett and to Dr. Alfred Kinsey were groomers. The sexualization of, of children in childhood was always part of the plan, but a concerted backlash halted their plans. It is essential that these trends be met with a similar backlash once again. To paraphrase Flannery O'Connor, parents must push back as hard as the, as the age that is pushing against them. This was originally published in the Bridgehead. Folks, you need to get involved and see what they are doing. If you think any of this is okay for children, there's something wrong with you. There's something wrong with you. Most of these drag queens, they look like demons. Have you seen them? They look oh God, terrifying. Anyway. If you want to do that kind of stuff, that's fine. You do that. But do not, do not push that on children. It's evil. Well, guys, I think that's gonna do it for me this evening. And I'm gonna um take a quick nap. <laughs> get up and do some other stuff i've been working on some other things i have another youtube channel um that i started uh today as well yesterday as a matter of fact it's called the bible allowed a few chapters at a time so uh what i'm doing is i'm reading a few chapters um at a time and uh, gonna make my way uh through the new testament and i really love it if you guys would join me you can find me on youtube and it is the bible allowed and it's uh, a few chapters at a time. So if you search up there, you'll have to hit the little filter button and hit look for channel because I haven't actually uploaded. Oh, I actually have. I've uploaded chapters uh, 1 through 8 of Matthew. And so originally um, I had titled the spoken word. So don't freak out when he's like, what? That's not what it was. When you hear the first video, which is Matthew 1. And then I was like, well, let's just change it to the Bible allowed a chapter a day. But when I started reading through them and uploading, they're only like five minutes long. And I'm like, it's maybe a couple chapters a day. <laughs> so I'm trying to uh, keep them about 10 to 15 minutes long. Anyway, um, and it's got like really nice music in the background. It's kind of relaxing and, you know, I'm not, I don't have the harsh, you know, Texas, you know, voice that I have right now. But anyway, um, I am doing that and uh, I wanted to read through the New Testament and I figured, well, you know what? This way kind of forces me to because I have to upload a video every day. And so the background, you know, may have like the ocean or, you know, something like that. Or I may just have like really pretty pictures back there, you know, just whatever. Um, but, you know, it's really nice and um calming and peaceful so if you want to look to the opposite of what this program is all about when i'm giving you controversial news and headlines and all this stuff as it relates to you know bible prophets and you're like what, what, what? if you want something a little bit on the opposite end of the spectrum something very relaxing and you know getting to hear the word of god uh then you can go check out that channel i really would appreciate it but anyway guys with that i'm going to get off of here and as always like I'm doing now, get in the Word of God and let the Word of God get into you and Maranatha, Lord Jesus. Oh my goodness, Maranatha. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we went to bed tonight and that trumpet blasted? And like the Titus said, like in, in Titus 2, it says, in a, the great and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Wouldn't that be wonderful, you guys? Oh my gosh. I am, t I am a little scared of heights, but I think, I think I'll be okay. <laughs>
Oh, anyway. Oh, man, you guys, thank you so much for um for listening. And I pray for all of you guys. I really do. And, uh, you know, let's pray right now. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much, Lord God, for your promises. Lord, For I, I thank you so much for your protection. And, Father God, we pray, Lord, I ask that you would bless those, all those that are listening uh, right now to this episode. And, Father God, I ask God that you would give them boldness to continue, Lord, to continue telling people about you. And, Father God, I just I thank you so much that you've given us your peace. Not as this world gives, but as you give. And it's like you said, the chastisement of our peace was upon you. And by your stripes, we are healed. And, Father God, I believe that. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, for all that you have done for us. And, Father God, I just ask if that there are those who may be afraid or they may have some fear or, you know, they may be worried that your word tells us not to worry, that you will provide everything that we need and we are to cast our cares upon you because you care for us and that your perfect love, Lord Jesus, casts out any fear. And Father God, I just thank you so much because your word also tells us that you have not given us a spirit of fear, but you've given us one of power, love, and of a sound mind. And may we remember what you said in Matthew chapter 6, I believe, that we don't, we shouldn't be worried about anything. And we should not be worried because you, Lord Jesus, will always provide for us. Because if even when a sparrow falls, you know it. So how much more valuable are we than a sparrow to you? And Father God, you say in your word that you give, uh, you know, like even a man knows, you know, to give their child. Yeah, what, what man would give their child a serpent, you know, instead of a fish or something like that? And so, Lord, we know that you said if, if you being evil, know how to give your children good gifts, how much more would you give as our Heavenly Father? So, Lord, may we all put our trust and faith in you as we await the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, your Son, Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you for all these things, and I ask you all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.